Now for this next unhappy news story. I want to warn all the listeners to beware because it's very graphic and it's very unhappy. So if you're sensitive, please skip this story. Two men were burned to death because of a rumor on WhatsApp. Rumors of child abductors spread through WhatsApp in a small town in Mexico. The rumors were fake, but a mob burned two men to death before anybody checked. On August 29th, a little after noon, a woman who owned an arts and crafts shop in the small town of Ecatlan in the central Mexican state of Puebla was looking out the window when she noticed some people were gathering outside the police station next to her shop. The 75-year-old woman moved closer to the window and looked out as dozens of people were outside the police station on Reforma Street, which is in the town's main road, and the crowd was growing. Pretty soon she noticed there was more than 100 people. She could not remember seeing that many people in a crowd instead of like if it was a holiday, which it wasn't. While she was watching, a police car went by, and two men were in the back of the car, and they were taking him to the small jailhouse. Following the police car were more people, and they were yelling and accusing the two men who were taken into the jailhouse of being child abductors. It, from behind a narrow metal gate at the entrance to the police station, the police replied that the men were not child abductors, but minor offenders. They were minor offenders, the officer said again and again, but still the crowd grew in size. The two men were 21-year-old Ricardo Flores, who had grown up just outside of the city, but he had moved to Zahal... I, I can't even pronounce this. Jalapa. It's 250 kilometers to the north side, or to the northeast anyways, to study law. And his uncle, Alberto Flores, a 43-year-old farmer, who had lived for decades in a small community just outside Acatlan. If I pronounce that right even. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Ricardo had recently returned to Acatlan to visit relatives who said the two men were at the center of town that day to buy construction supplies to finish work on a concrete block water well. The fact was the men had committed no crime. The police said that they had been taken to the station for disturbing the peace after the locals started harassing them. The people outside of the station on Reforma Street were under the impression that different events were going down, of course. A story stirred up somewhere unknown and spread through the private messaging app WhatsApp. Someone had posted a message saying to, for everyone to please be alert because of a plague of child kidnappers has entered the city, the country, I'm sorry. The message said that the men were involved in organ trafficking, and in the past few days, children aged 4 to age 14 had disappeared, and some of these children had been found dead with signs that their organs were removed. It said that their abdomens had been cut open and were empty. When people in town saw the, the two men near an elementary school in a nearby community called San Vicente Bocaron, Ricardo and Alberto became the child abductors conjured up by a collective fear, and news of their arrest spread as the rumors of child abductors had. A man named Francisco Martinez got the crowd really pumped up. He was known as El Tijuanito, according to police. He was among those who spread the messages on Facebook and WhatsApp accusing Ricardo and Alberto. When he was outside the police station, he began to live stream the events on Facebook via his phone. He said, People of Acatlan de Osario, 
Puebla. Please come give your support. Give your support, he said into the camera. Believe me, the kidnappers are now here, he said. As Martinez attempted to rally the town, another man identified by the police only as Manuel climbed up to the roof of the colonial-style town hall building next to the police station, and then he started ringing the bells of the government office to alert the locals that the police were planning to release Ricardo and Alberto. Then a third man, Petronilio Castellan El Paisa, used a loudspeaker to call on the citizens to contribute money to buy gasoline to set the two men on fire, and he walked through the crowd collecting money for it. The 75-year-old woman in her shop Mora Cordero watched with fright. She heard someone outside say that they should run because the crowd would set them in on fire. Dear God, she thought, this is not possible. Within moments, the crowd gathered into a mob with one goal. The narrow gate at the entrance to the police station was wrenched open by the crowd, and Ricardo and Alberto Flores were dragged out from the hands of the police. As people held their phones up high to film the men, the men were pushed to the floor at the base of the the stone steps and savagely beaten. And they were savagely beaten. Sorry. (laughs) Then the patrol that was er, bought earlier was poured on them. Eyewitnesses believe Ricardo was already dead from the beating, but his uncle Alberto was still alive when they set the two men on fire. Video footage from the cell phones shows his limbs moving slowly as the flames spread around him. The men burned till they were blackened and they remained on the ground for two hours after they were burned. The state prosecutors made their way from Puebla to Acatlan and the smell of gasoline remained in the air. The grandmother of Ricardo was called to the scene to identify the man and she said that there were still tears on Alberto's cheeks when she arrived. She screamed, look what you did to them, to the people that were still left around from the mob, which had begun to, you know, break up and go home. It was one of the most horrific things that ever happened in Acatlan, said Carlos Fuentes, a driver who works from a taxi stand near the police station. The columns of smoke could be seen from every point in the town. The road that runs to Acatlan is lined on either side by... On either side by maize and marigold fields, mango, fig, and walnut trees grow from vast plots of land owned by the local farmers. The town is in the heart of the Mixteca Highlands and is known as the Pearl of the Mixteca Region, a reference to the Meztecs Mesoamerican indigenous groups that first settled in the region centuries ago. A lot of people in the town had left for America and would send back money to their relatives still living in the town. Among these migrants in the early 2000s were Maria del Rosario Rodriguez and Jose Guadalupe Flores, who moved to America in hope of providing better living conditions for their two young sons left behind, Jose Guadalupe Jr. and his younger brother, Ricardo. The two boys, aged seven and three, stayed behind with their grandmother, Petra Alaya Garcia, in Jalapa, in the state of Veracruz. Their parents, Maria and Jose Guadalupe, moved from city to city in the U.S. before making their home in the east coast city of Baltimore. Maria became a domestic worker and Jose Guadalupe a construction worker and they had a third child and called her Kimberly. Via Facebook and FaceTime, they kept in constant contact and communication with their two sons at home. Ricardo's mother, Maria, on August 29th received a string of Facebook messages which seemed at first like a bad dream. 
A close friend in an Akatlan was telling her that her son Ricardo had been arrested and was suspected of child abductions. It was a mistake, she thought. Ricardo would never be involved with such a thing. But the messages kept coming. Then came a live stream on Facebook, and when she clicked on it, she saw a mob. And then she saw her son and her brother-in-law being beaten by the mob. She posted a comment on the live stream. Please don't hurt them. Don't kill them. They're not child kidnappers, she recalled writing. But her message had no effect, and she watched in horror as the men were doused gasoline. And the same technology that allowed a man in Akatlan to summon a mob to kill her son allowed her to watch him die. Later that day, Maria, Jose Guadalupe, and Kimberly returned to the Akatlan for the first time in more than 10 years. There they met Jasmine Sanchez, Alberto's widow, who had also watched the events unfold on Facebook. For decades, Jasmine and Alberto lived just outside Akatlan. Every day, Alberto went to work in the maize fields he had planted on the land which he owned near Tianguanisingo. Okay, I can't even say that word. Tianguistango? I don't know. I'm sorry, people. When he died, he left behind a small half-built house in the same town, <laughs> as well as a wife and three daughters he was building it for. He was a good man. He didn't deserve to die the way he did, said Jasmine. Maria and Jose Guadalupe returned to another small house in this town which they had left for their sons when they set out for the U.S. Standing at the back of the house, Maria recalled her son. He liked butterflies and running through the maize fields around the house. He left to study law because he wanted to defend people from injustices. They took him from us and they didn't even leave us a child behind for us to take care of, she said. In Akatlan, the family was met with a wall of silence, with the exception of Mora Cordero, the 75-year-old shop owner on Reforma Street said that they were out of town when the violence happened and that they shut their shops and fled or that they never opened in the first place that day which was not a holiday. No one wants to talk about it said Fuentes the taxi driver and people who were directly involved are already gone. According to state authorities five people have now been charged with instigating the crime and four more with carrying out the murder. Martinez who broadcast the live stream, Castellan who called for gasoline and a man identified as Manuel, who rang the bells, were among the five. But the remaining two alleged instigators and four suspects charged with murder are on the run, police said. The day after Ricardo and Alberto died, a funeral service was held in Akatlan. Maria believed there were eyewitnesses to the crime among the crowd gathered at the service. Look how you killed them. You all have children and I want justice for, justice for my loved ones, she shouted as tears rolled down her cheeks and the cameras from the local and national stations filmed. Now the family lives in fear in Akatlan, Maria said. They're afraid to go to the market. I lost my grandson who was like my son, said Ricardo's grandmother. They accused them of being criminals with no proof. Maria still cannot understand why the mob was swept up in the line. Why, did they, why didn't they check? No children were kidnapped. No one filed a formal complaint. It was a fake news, she said. Ricardo and Alberto Flores de Sims, a small town in Mexico, were not isolated. Rumors and fake news stories on Facebook and WhatsApp have fermented fatal violence in India, Myanmar, Sri Lanka, just to name it three. In India, as in Mexico, the technology WhatsApp is an encrypted private messaging app that lets people send messages to large groups. Has one upgraded time, only old rumors about child abductors for the 21st century allowed them to spread faster and farther with less accountability. WhatsApp, which has been bought by Facebook for $19 billion in 2014, has been linked to a wave of lynchings across India, often fueled by fake stories of child abductors. In the state of Assam in June, an incident frighteningly similar to that in Akatlan, 
happened when a mob of 200 beat and burned a man to death. Both WhatsApp and Facebook are widely used for news consumption in Mexico, according to a 2018 report by Routers Institute for the Study of Journalism. According to the same report, 63% of internet users in Mexico say they are either either very concerned or extremely concerned about the spread of fake news. On August 30th, the day after Ricardo and Alberto died in Acatlan, residents of the town of San Martin Tilcajete in the southern state of Oaxaca attempted to lynch a group of seven men. The group of house painters were falsely accused of being child kidnappers. That day, police officers were able to rescue the men. But the same day in the Tuala, Tula in central Hidalgo state, the grisly scene from Acatlan repeated itself when two innocent men were being accused of being child abductors, were beaten and burned to death. Beyond Mexico and Ecuador, 16th of October, two men and a woman were arrested for allegedly stealing $200, were killed by a mob after a message circulated on WhatsApp falsely accusing them of being child snatchers. And on the 26th of October, a mob in Colombia's capital, Bogota, killed a man who was falsely accused in WhatsApp messages of being linked to kidnapping of a child. Because of WhatsApp's ironclad end-to-end encryption, the origin of anything shared on the app is impossible to trace. The company resisted calls in July to form from the Indian government to break its encryption and allow authorities to track messages. WhatsApp has taken steps to try and stem the tide, adding a label to messages that have been forwarded and limiting the groups of people that can receive them. We believe the challenge of mob violence requires action from technology companies, civil society, and governments, the company told BBC. We stepped up user education about misinformation and provided training for law enforcement on how to use WhatsApp as a resource in their community. Crosses were placed in a place where Ricardo and Alberto were murdered. And the 75-year-old shopkeeper said that she would replace the, the glass candles every time they went out because the crosses should remain there forever, she said, so that the people at Akhetalan may see and remember what they did. Please, please, people. Check your facts. Don't believe anything just because you see it on the news or anything. Look it up. Check it. Make sure you're right. You know, make sure you're right about what you're doing. The same thing with stuff that's going on in America. So make sure that you know what exactly what's going on before you go riot or loot or kill people or judge people or point your finger. Let this be a lesson to you. Because this is some sad news. this 80-year-old guy out drinking at the bar and this other patron who had already earlier in the evening been disrespectful to the staff members decided he didn't want to wear a mask and so the 80-year-old man asked him if he could you know put a mask on or kick rocks or whatever he said and The patron didn't like being told what to do. So out of the blue, he pushes the 80-year-old man, who then falls to the ground, hits his head and dies. What the hell has this world come to? Who pushes an 80-year-old man for telling you to wear a mask, which you're supposed to do? 
Jesus. That is some sad news. This guy was arguing with his girlfriend and he put his daughter into the car and left her running while he continued to argue with her. He realized that he locked his keys in the car. Call out, he called out a locksmith. The locksmith quoted him a price. He didn't like the price, so he sent him on his way. Then he flagged down a cop, but he wouldn't allow the cops to break the window. Then after an hour or so, when the cops finally did break the window, turns out little girl's dead and already in rigor mortis. The whole time he claimed that the air conditioning was on and she was just fine. He's been arrested and charged. The editor of a Russian news site lit herself on fire in protest of, I guess, basically Russian authorities messing with her. It says that um, they had just, the day prior to her suicide, searched her apartment. They took her laptop, her phone, her husband's phone, her daughter's laptop. Um, she went in front of one of their public buildings. Uh, what kind of building was it? It was... She died after setting herself on fire Friday outside of a government office. She said to, I ask you to blame the Russian Federation for my death. Her name was Irina, Irina Slavina. Um, there was a video uh, that showed a man being pushed away by a woman after rushing over to help put out the flames with his coat. sad news. If you're gonna kill yourself, I would recommend not doing it with fire. I mean, it seems like a really horrific way to die. In fact, if you were gonna kill yourself, I'd recommend you just not do it. Because I can guarantee you at the last second, you're gonna regret whatever you're doing and it's gonna be too late. So just don't do it. Because if you kill yourself, you leave all your pain to everyone that loves you. And then you you give them something that you never had to deal with, too. Having to lose someone from suicide. Don't be so mean. Life is pretty sucky most of the time for some people, but there's still beauty in the world, and you don't want everyone you love to be so miserable for the rest of their lives, do you? We need you here. Let's talk about that cop whose wife was found dead in the back of his cop car. So in Nevada, I think, I'm pretty sure it's Nevada. I mean, you can Google it. Um, Google cop's wife found dead in the back of cop car, but I'm pretty sure it's Nevada. Um, 
a cop, he had worked the graveyard shift from like seven in the night till seven in the morning and he got home and he went to sleep and at five o'clock him and his son discovered his wife dead in the back of his cop car. She had for some reason gone into the back of his cop car, put her whole body legs and everything inside the back of the cop car and then closed the door behind her. That's pretty odd, don't you think? So, um, I don't know what to think about that. I mean, I cannot imagine why his wife would have went into the back of his cop car and closed the door behind herself. The cop car was parked on the side of his house. The temperatures reached 90 degrees that day, over 90 degrees. And she was back there for at least five hours, they say. Isn't that amazing? I mean, I could understand like a child or a pet or something, but a grown woman to get back there by herself and lock the door? Like, what's that about? You should Google it, find out, you know, see what you can find out on that. I'm, I'm going to do the same and I'll make another podcast updating it, updating this subject if I find anything different. In Paris, someone of the Muslim faith beheaded a teacher in the middle of the street because the teacher was teaching something about Islam in his class and he showed um, an image, a representation, I guess you could say, of the Prophet Muhammad. So the Muslim guy cut the teacher's head off in the middle of the street and when the cops arrived, they shot the Muslim guy and killed him. That's some sad news. People are off the hook, I swear to God. So, I was reading in the New York Times, there was an article about a guy who was a passenger on Spirit Airlines who was wearing a scarf over his face as a mask and the stewardess approached him and she was like, you're gonna have to um, wear a CDC approved mask or whatever, and she tried to give him one. But he was like, nah, girl, where you see that written in the rules at? Show me that in the rules. And she was like, um, you're going to have to wear the one kind we give you. And then he was like, hell no. So I guess like they said that there would be security or police waiting for him when they landed.